Welcome to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. Please open your hearts to hear an anointed message that will encourage and empower you to walk in the love and light of God's Word. Beloved, on the heels of our last few messages, under the title of Discerning the Hour, we are beginning a new teaching series entitled Babylon, Mystery, Religion, and the New World Order. This will be a continuation of some of the vital information we have been sharing regarding the signs of the times, as well as highlighting the various groups that are working diligently to promote the one-world religious, governmental, and economic system, which will serve the Antichrist in his eventual global reign. We had left off with a serious critique of Pope Francis, as recounted in an article written by Michael Snyder, author of The Beginning of the End, and I'll finish sharing that very compelling information, as well as taking a penetrating look into the Vatican and Holy See, which hold not only religious worldwide power, but government and economic influence as well, as we move along in the study. But first, I'd like to lay a scriptural foundation that I believe will expose the enemy's intentions behind the global efforts that are being orchestrated by him and his many agents, and particularly where concerns the one-world religion, which will be the heartbeat that sustains the Antichrist's global and economic efforts as well. In Matthew chapter 16 and verses 13 to 18, Lord Jesus prophesied the birth of his true church with a promise that would endure forever. It is written, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he began asking his disciples, saying, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, Some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He then said to them, But who do you say that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not overpower it. Beloved, on the solid rock of that divine revelation, which was given to Peter by the Father in heaven, in sacred recognition of Jesus the Christ, Son of the living God and God himself, that majestic prophecy was fulfilled and established on the Feast of Pentecost, fifty days following the Lord's glorious resurrection. His true church had been birthed with a promise that it would reign victoriously, no matter what the devil, using all of hell's arsenal, would bring against it. Lucifer, the temporary ruler of this world and his fleeting vanities, now had no other recourse left to him but to create a masterful counterfeit to the genuine church of Jesus Christ. He would do this by melding just enough of what would mimic truth, while integrating pagan and occult substance as well. He had worked long and hard in his creations of false ways, building up to this moment, because his greatest counterfeit had to be perfect. He had to make it so close to the original 
that it would convince even some of the elect. This way, he could substitute the genuine Messiah, who through God's great love was promised to save the world from its sin, with an imposter who eventually would be known as the Antichrist. Through this agent of darkness, Lucifer would then be worshipped by all people on earth. That is to say, those who by way of his strategic deceptions and having minds that were blinded by him as the small g god of this world would reject the truth so as to be saved and would instead believe in and be captivated by his lies. He had laid the groundwork from the beginning when his prideful and rebellious plans were put into motion. Remember, before his fall, he was the anointed cherub and had access to Elohim's plans. Therefore, even then, he was already formulating how his most masterful counterfeit would be conceived. We'll follow some of these steps leading to what is known today as Roman Catholicism, with what I pray will be eye-opening revelation as we contend for the truth and expose the lie. While the core of Lucifer's deceptive tactics began in the Garden of Eden, we are going to focus on a time in history when his first attempt at not only a one-world religion, but also a one-world government, was initiated. This journey will take us back to Nimrod, the son of Cush and great-grandson of Noah. In the book of Genesis, chapter 10 and verse 10, Babylon, or Babel as it is also known, is described as having been founded by Nimrod and that he was its first king. In Genesis chapter 11, we learn that Nimrod incited the people to build the Tower of Babel. Historians describe this edifice as a ziggurat, which holds the Assyrian meaning of mountaintop. A ziggurat was a man-made structure with a temple at its pinnacle, built to worship their many false gods. The Lord quickly put a halt to their rebellious plans by scattering the people across the face of the earth. However, the Babylonian pagan beliefs that had been propagated by Nimrod were taken with the people who had adopted them. The heart of this pagan belief system was centered on the mother-child worship, which was instituted by Queen Semiramis, who was not only Nimrod's wife, but his mother as well. This incestuous partnering holds much natural symbolism to the spiritual perversions that would be held at the root of the masterful counterfeit that would eventually become Roman Catholicism. Following the death of Nimrod, Queen Semiramis claimed that her husband had become the sun god and that he was to be worshipped. Additionally, she claimed that as the sun god, Nimrod used his sun rays to miraculously inseminate her with a child who she named Tammuz. In this blasphemous and made-up lie, we see a perverted counterfeiting of the miraculous conception of Jesus Christ, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit in Mary's womb. And as the Babylonian people were scattered throughout the world, they took with them the idea that Semiramis had miraculously conceived and given birth to Nimrod, whom they believed had been reincarnated as Tammuz, and that he had returned as Savior to the world. Thus, all over the earth, men began to worship a divine mother and godchild long before the birth of Christ. But it was the mother and not the son who received the highest honors and praise. This imposter of the real Mary, revealed in the Holy Scriptures, appeared in different ways and is called by different names. 
The Chinese called her Xingmu. The Germans worshipped her as Hertha. The Scandinavians worshipped her as Sisa. And in India, she was known as Indrani. But although she continues to manifest herself in many forms, even up until today, she is always the same spirit manifestation of Semiramis. Again, we are reminded that Lucifer was privileged to overhear the covenant plans that the Father and Jesus had made before the foundations of the world. And therefore, he created his masterful counterfeits in advance to mimic salvation's blueprint while tailoring them to position himself to be the one who would be worshipped by way of his antichrist and the adulterous belief system he would rule over. But in God's perfect timeline, Jesus Christ would be born to a virgin, and his God's Messiah would offer himself up in perfect blood atonement sacrifice on Calvary's cross, in payment for the sins of the world. But nowhere in the Holy Scriptures is he ever presented as a helpless babe in Mary's arms as she sits on her throne of power. This Babylonian icon that is prominently displayed in every Roman Catholic church, school, and building originated with Semiramis, along with the many other paganistic blasphemies that are held and venerated in this masterful counterfeit to genuine Christianity, a fact that we will be more deeply uncovering along the way. As the worship of the great mother and child spread across the earth, it was most certainly very popular under the Roman Empire. Inscriptions found through excavation prove that both the mother and the child received divine honors. Although, as even was the case with Semiramis and Nimrod, the mother always held the primary place of honor. It was into this prophetic time period that Christ was born. As he accomplished his ministry and sealed salvation's plan in blood atonement resurrection power, the apostles went out and established fellowships, and the word of God spread throughout the world. However, as the centuries passed, apostasy from the truth began to rise, leaving only a remnant of true believers, who because of their refusal to worship the Roman gods, were subject to great persecution and even martyrdom. This persecution continued up until the time of Constantine, who in 312 AD decided he was going to take Rome. He led a small army to the Alps for an important battle outside the city on the Tiber River against his rival, Maxentius, the emperor of Rome. According to the historian Eusebius, while on his way to battle, Constantine supposedly had a vision while staring up at the sky. He reportedly saw a flaming cross above the sun with the words, In hoc signo vinces, which translated reads, in this sign, you will conquer. And this is where we'll have to pause for now, beloved. In our next podcast, we will find that Constantine's encounter was another sophisticated counterfeit of Lucifer, and that would lead to the official birth of Roman Catholicism. I will only add here that while much of the information that is being revealed might be shocking to some and even unbelievable, please search it out for yourself with the Holy Spirit's help and leading for truly it is a matter of life or death, and is a labor of love on my part. Jesus himself declared that, You shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. And, as always, beloved, I bid you his agape.
You've been listening to Love's Last Call with Evangelist Carol Ann of Agape Light Ministries. If you'd like to receive a CD copy of this message or you have a prayer request, please contact us at Agape Light Ministries, P.O. Box 6313, Chesterfield, Missouri, 63006, or via our website at www.agapelightministries.com. Again, that's www.agapelightministries.com.